Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Episode 190, Daredevil Season 2, Episode 7, Semper Fidelis. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm a fan of all that that entails. That means the movies, the TV shows, and the direct-to-streaming Netflix series, which, let's face it, is some of the best TV that's not on TV. Case in point is what we're covering right now, Daredevil Season 2. And I'm here to introduce this episode of Welcome to Level 7, where we'll be talking about the seventh episode of Daredevil Season 2. And from here... Uh, This is actually going to be the last uh, episode covering Daredevil before Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. starts up again, and we'll be jumping into regular weekly coverage of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm not exactly sure when we're going to start releasing episodes about Daredevil Season 2 again, Um, if we're going to do a side-by-side thing like we did with uh, Jessica Jones and Agent Carter, which, you know, (laughs) that was a really interesting side-by-side release schedule that we had going there, considering... Uh, just the tones of each of those shows. Uh, I don't know exactly what it's going to be yet. Uh, You will be seeing the end of this uh, Daredevil Season 2 in your feed at some time in the future, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is coming back, and we're going to jump back into live coverage there. So uh, all I do know is in the summer, that's when we're planning to really finish all the Netflix stuff and get back up to date with the Netflix stuff, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and of course, Defenders. I don't know what that means for Daredevil. Uh, if if it's going to be in the summer or before the summer, who knows? I don't, clearly. So beyond that, I just want to say that this episode is going to be structured pretty much the way that all the other ones have been structured. There's going to be episode discussion with Samantha and Stuart. Before that, there will be the initial reactions from Daniel and myself. And then we will jump into uh, the end with some feedback and our ratings of the episode. So for now, uh, let's jump into the initial reactions from Daniel Butcher and me, Ben, Ben Avery. Opening statements. I've been reminded that some people don't know who Daniel Butcher is because uh, they're coming to the podcast now rather than from the beginning. And Daniel is the uh, co-founder of Welcome to Level 7 along with me. And he and I, when we were starting to cover Netflix, uh, decided we needed to figure out a way to get our initial reactions because we binge watch and there was no recording right after watching like we do with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that's what this segment is. All that is information that if you already listen to the podcast, you already know it. But, you know, there's the old adage that uh, Stanley came up with, I think, 
Anyway, it's a principle he used when he wrote comics, and that is that every issue of a comic is going to be somebody's first comic. And, you know, if you broaden that out a little bit more, it may not be their first comic, but it's going to every issue of a comic potentially could be a first introduction to that character in the comic. And I've read some bad comics where you had no idea what was happening, who these people were and why you should care. And it's just 20 pages of story that have nothing to do with anything. So that's why I'm doing this to make sure that uh, people know what, what we're doing here with this Netflix stuff. And so for now, uh, I'm going to play back a message from Daniel, Daniel Butcher. And this is Daniel Butcher after his first viewing, the original viewing, his binge viewing of Semper Fidelis. Ah, Terrible Season 2, Semper Fidelis. i got to be honest, this is Daniel here. This episode did more for me than the last one. I actually really liked this one pretty well. Maybe I was in a better mood. Really liked Frank Castle, the fact that he refused to claim PTSD. This is an insult since he didn't have it. An insult to those that do. Um, nice to see an actual real, you know, a real issue being highlighted in a way that was in a respectful manner. I really like that. Um, I don't know how I feel about Karen. The lawyer, Karen. I don't know how I feel about the Matt relationship. Again, I'm not really digging Electra so much, but I do feel like uh, Electra and Matt go together better than than Matt and uh, and Karen. And you know, here we we see Matt really a big comic book theme. We see with Daredevil the destructive nature of his relationships. So uh, yeah, nicely highlighted. So. Hey, still plugging through Daredevil Season 2. Now I can tell you the month or time or date when I actually did this because it's actually embarrassing. But let's just say no lacrosse. <laughs> Peace out later, bye. So here's the deal. Uh, <laughs> Samantha doesn't know what's going on here and hasn't heard uh, the recording and won't hear the recording before we record about this episode. And so when this episode gets released, that's when she's going to find out that Daniel said something that she wanted to hang me out to dry for, which is that Daredevil and Electra might go better together. And we've already been through that. We've explained that. We'll get into that, you know, some of those things. But at the same time, Daniel, <laughs> I, I wish Samantha could hang you out to dry for this. Because, well, apparently I said it as well. So here comes my initial reaction to Semper Fidelis. Hello, future Ben. Hello, future Daniel. Hello, future other person who might be there or might not because we haven't scheduled who is going to appear when. So I don't know. This might be a Daniel episode or something. Uh, but as of right now, I'm calling in with my thoughts about Daredevil Season 2, Episode 7, Semper Fidelis. And what can I say? Uh, it's kind of fun to see Matt working with a partner, a sidekick, if you will. Although I don't think Elector would call herself the sidekick. She might call Daredevil the sidekick. And it's actually, well, actually, that's probably not too far from the truth when, when it comes right down to it. It's good to see that happening, though. And, you know, it's good to see superheroing going on 
it's also good to see that you know struggle with uh, you know superhero lawyer thing and and foggy foggy's doing really well he's not a bad lawyer he's not a bad lawyer at all so <laughs> i don't have a lot to say about this episode though um you know, similar to last time, the, the level of quality remains pretty close to the same every every episode. It's uh, it's very different, though. It's very different than season one, and I I, I can't really put my finger on it uh, other than you know we're we're kind of stepping into this second arc. You know, and honestly, if these thirteen episodes come out almost to be like a trilogy of story arcs. I'd be okay with that. Like episode one through four, that's that's the Frank Castle arc, and then episode five through whatever is the Frank is on trial and Daredevil is helping against the Yakuza or against whoever with with Elektra and and dealing with Elektra then too. So you have kind of the the Punisher arc and then the Elektra arc, and the Elektra arc has you know, involves Punisher, but that's because of the lawyer stuff and the part of Matt's life now that he's, he's working on that side of things with the Punisher and she's disrupting that. And, you know, if they did that, I would be more than okay with that. Uh, you know, Daredevil season one, I guess felt like a, a really long movie at some points. It felt episodic, but not often. And season two definitely feels a lot more episodic and a lot more TV ish. There's a lot more stuff going on that feels like we are watching episodes of a TV show and not chapters of a movie novel. So um, that's that's kind of my analysis, and I'd be interested once this is all said and done, uh, Ben, future Ben, when you're recording your end of things, you'll know if I'm right or wrong about what they do with that, that arc thing. But that's where I'm at right now. Peace. All right, there's the initial reactions out of the way, done. And that's what we thought about this episode when it first came out. Now, what do we think about it after some time to process and to you know finish watching the season and know how it ends up? Uh, well, that's what's going to happen right now. Please keep in mind, as far as spoilers go, that anything that has happened in the MCU on TV with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or on the big screen with the movies... Anything that's happened as of the beginning of, of April here that might get mentioned and anything up until this point in Netflix could be spoiled, but we will not be talking about specifics of Iron Fist, Luke Cage, or anything else that, that hasn't happened as far as Netflix goes because we are going in chronological order with that. And so the end of Daredevil season two we will not be talking about. And like I said, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, we will not be talking about. But the rest of the MCU and anything previous to this episode in Netflix, which means all season one and maybe Jessica Jones, is possible fair game for conversation. So just keep that in mind. And well, let's uh, let's join Stuart and Samantha as we talk about this episode. Case evidence. Okay, so I am no longer alone as I sit here in the uh, mobile command unit that took us to New York, Hell's Kitchen, Netflix, to talk about Daredevil. And uh, we're going to talk about Semper Fidelis. And I'm here with 
Agent Samantha. Ninja in training. Ninja in training. And <laughs> Agent Stewart. Woohoo! <laughs> not clearly not a ninja in training. No. So. <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a thought about Daredevil as I was watching this episode. And the thought is this. We have three what you might call hated movies coming together to form an incredible season of TV with Daredevil, whose movie is generally not spoken of well in in some circles. Electra, whose movie is not spoken of well in almost every circle except for mine. And Punisher, who has some good stuff happening in his movies, but generally speaking, these are not top of the Marvel list of movies with the Punisher movies. And we're bringing them all together into one TV series or streaming series or whatever it is you want to call these 13 episodes. And that's kind of interesting. And and it's really good. And I think the reason for that, that it's that these have gelled so well is without any backstory Punisher is just a monster. He's just a Terminator, but they've done a lot in this series far more than definitely the, the movies um, to make him have this backstory that you can feel. I mean, in the last episode when he's talking about, um, when Karen's walking through his house, I mean, you can see him, you can see the the man that he wants to be. Um, and so that's a huge, Mm -hmm. that's, that's awesome. And you would never have gotten that with Dolph Lundgren. No, come on now. I mean, they did, (laughs) they tried with all three of the previous Punisher actors. They tried to set up that tragic backstory. And with Dolph Lundgren, it almost comes off more like Dr. Doofenshmirtz's, tragic backstory (laughs) um with where his mother didn't show up to his own birth yeah exactly (laughs) yeah like my it's 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 just not as touching Uh, part of it is the acting and part of it is the type of movie that those movies are especially the Dolph Lundgren one I mean the Dolph Lundgren one is clearly uh late 80s action movie that is intended to almost be straight to video and is going to make money because of rentals and the rental market. Um, mm-hmm. But with, you know, the later ones, Thomas Jane and uh, Ray something. I can't remember who the second one is. The guy from Thor. He's one of the, the three guys in Thor. Anyway, he, those guys, it's, they're better made movies in some ways. But at the same time, I don't feel for them the way I feel for him here. And I think a lot of it is we are not seeing the backstory we are hearing it and we're hearing it through an emotional story being told by uh our actor <laughs> i can't remember his karen name. no john no. barenthal john barenthal uh, yeah who so i by the way does not rub his head as thought as as much as i thought he was going to based on his performances in walking dead i'm just gonna uh, I'm just gonna leave that there you know if, you, if your well, Venn diagrams are Walking Dead and this show, then you know exactly what Ben is talking mm-hmm. about. I personally do not know what John, Ben is talking about. Yep. So. 
Well, I was going to say that um, that this Netflix series has one huge advantage over all three of those movies, and that's running time. They have 13 hours to cover the entire back, all of Frank's backstory, and they slowly peel it back like an onion. Mm-hmm. But the movies, they only have about two hours each to cover his whole story, his backstory mm-hmm. and his current story. And in many cases, that's not a lot of time. Um, one good example, in my opinion, of where a movie completely failed is um, Ender's Game. The book is great. It would do wonderful as a series. But as a movie, it was not – it was missing a lot of detail. And I was telling someone the other day, it would do a lot better as a net, as a as either a TV series or a Netflix series, online streaming somehow. It, but that, it lost a lot in the movie. That might be the case, but I, I thought the uh, the movie did a pretty admirable job of presenting a a novel in two hours, which is not easy to do. Right, especially uh, that one. But you're, you, what you're saying is right. I mean, in a Punisher movie, you have to have the setup, and that setup you have to set up a relationship that you care about with, I mean, you, you're already predisposed to care that a father has a child and a wife and they're, if they get lost, yeah, you, you care. It's a thing and you can run with it and go along with Punisher for the story because this thing happened, but you may not really connect with him. And here, you connect with him. I mean, the way he cares is coming from it's all after the fact, but at the same time, he is acting it well. And you, you see it, you believe it because you're seeing him go through the pain. Right. Well, uh, I had a weird, I had a weird moment connecting with Frank and it was, I think it was episode two when he's in the pawn shop, he's about to leave. And the guy says, Hey, I got some porn. She's barely, she's barely 12 and he turns right around mm-hmm. and you can tell, and he grabs a bat and you can tell he did not approve of that statement. And that's when I, I was like, okay, Frank, I'm on team Frank. Yeah. But here's the other thing you can tell. He does not like the guy. If the guy would have not said anything, Frank would have been fine. But now he has to, he has to do this right. thing because, and you can see on his face, he is, mad because his day has been interrupted by this doofus who is just an evil evil person and he was hoping to just get in and get out and yeah right and but now he's this guy's created a situation where possibly the cops would more easily find him because he beat up this guy who had who has an established store yeah but at the same time that's this is another problem with his methodology that we were talking about last episode. This guy is would be much, much easier to be taken down by the law. Right. You know, I mean, that is the kind of thing that very easily he could be reported to the law. The law would take care of it because they take this kind of thing very seriously. Um, at least. That's the impression that I get. Maybe maybe I'm not quite on, on track with that, but. Uh, I'm not sure how much of that kind of stuff goes under the radar, but it sounds like to me when it's a, when it becomes, when people become aware of it, it does get taken care of. And I think this is one of those things where he took the law into his own hands 
judge, jury, executioner. I mean, we're literally going to be talking about this here. Um, and he didn't necessarily need to. He could have called in an anonymous tip. Right, but that Maybe, doesn't get the guy... I might have done the same thing. I might have, I mean, even with all the training that I'm going through with Aikido and learning, you know, peace and harmony and taking care of the, of your opponent, I still might've turned around and taken that bet. And knowing my sensei, I know she probably would have made the same choice because she's, she's not just a mother. She's also a grandmother. Well, the other thing, as far as Frank's motivation is he, his purpose at least in the story is to punish those who are not getting punished, Mm -hmm. not, not lock them up, punish them, like physically beat them. Like that's his motivation. That's his goal. Um, and that's, I don't fault him for that. I don't necessarily think he should have done it. I might have done, um, something more the route of calling an anonymous tip in and all that sort of stuff. But his, the thing that makes him tick is he has to exact punishment on the world. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't understand any other way. Yes. That's, I was going to bring that up as you're talking. I'm glad you you went there then with it because that's his mindset. I have to take care of this. I have to take care of this. And in a situation like this, the guy from episode two or whatever it was, um, I think that the law would have taken care of it in a way that Frank would have been satisfied with because this guy, if he goes to jail and people find out why he's in jail and it's child pornography, that guy is not going to have a good jail time. Right. I mean, he may not have a long time to serve, but he will not be treated well by the, the general population. Right. What would, um, what would uh, be interesting to me is if uh, Castle ran up against um, the the arms dealer who got his keys thrown into the the, uh, the lake, the river. Turk? Right Turk? Turk, yeah. <laughs> if Castle ran, in, ran into Turk, what would Castle do to Turk? He punish him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he. But but would he? Well, why because wouldn't he? Unless Turk was connected to the the thing with the carousel or somehow harming children, essentially. Now, I guess he was in season one. I'd forgotten about that until just now. Yeah, but, I mean, Turk has. I mean, assuming Frank knows what Turk is doing. Right. But I think just being a, an arms dealer to people on the street would be enough for Frank to feel like he has to do something about this if he's in a situation where that is put in his way. That would be interesting to see. I hope that happens in the, in the next series, we'll in see. that in the Punisher series. I'm, I'm really curious what the Punisher series is going to look like um, yeah. because they kind of take care of a lot of stuff here. And we'll just have to see. It's going to be, it's going to be the lonely man theme, him wandering <laughs> town to town, taking care of yeah, connecting with Deathlock. It's like, Hey, with Deathlock. Maybe. yeah. Buddy comedy. It would be a really depressing buddy comedy, but <laughs> <laughs> let's okay. So let's they, talk about they, uh, the MCU does need to bring back death, Deathlock. I thought that was a really great character. I did too. 
I mean, I'm glad yeah. that they did what they did with him uh, and letting him reconnect with his kid and, and things like that. But right. Yeah. He's worth bringing back and bringing into the secret warriors type of team situation that they had going on. Well, they're going to cast everybody else in infinity war. Might as well him too. Yeah. <sighs> he's one that should be, but he's TV. So he probably won't be. But we're not going to talk about that right now. Let's talk about Semper nope. Fidelis. Let's talk Coulson about... used to be movies. It's true. It's All true. Right, let's talk about Semper Fidelis. Okay. So here's our plot. Let's talk about our plot. Feel free to interrupt me if I miss something or if you want to really uh, punch a detail up. But um, it's jury selection time. And the people that they are interviewing to be on the jury have very strong opinions. And not only that, they have gone through 400 people to try and find the 12 or more because you want to have uh, replacement jurors. Uh, but they do find enough and the trial begins. Now here's the strategy. The strategy is an insanity plea or a mistrial. And foggy's on one side, Matt's on the other side. The opening statement is going to be tomorrow and they need to get him the short term strategies. They need to get him somewhere safe where he can get help. And so the insanity plea, the mistrial, both those worked in that way, but that's their main goal. They don't want Frank to die. So Karen goes to speak to Frank and she asks him for a character witness, but also then talks about uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And he will not allow that to be a part of his defense because it's an insult to those who actually have PTSD. Um, but he does eventually give her a name for the character witness, and she then sits down and is going to give him some help in finding out who killed his family. So while Matt is practicing his opening statement for the next day, he gets a call from Electra about the Roxxon secret ledger with the code in it. And he resists going to help her, but not for long. And they end up going to a really high-end apartment thing where they rough up a college professor who's on the bad guy's payroll. And they find out from this college professor who decodes the ledger that there is a box car. And that is what they're looking for. This box car from a train that'll be found somewhere. When Karen returns to the office, it's late at night and foggy is still working and Matt is still absent, but Foggy is cautiously optimistic with their plan. They're going to cross-examine the medical examiner and catch him in a lie because he has signed off on some medical statements with Frank and his family that is just not true. And by doing that, they might bring truth to the light. Meanwhile, Matt and Electra are also trying to bring some truth to the light. They're going to find out what's inside that boxcar and they open it and it's only dirt. There's dirt, and there's also bad guy foot soldiers who chase Matt and Electra. They fight. Electra is hurt, so they go back to his place where he stitches her up and tends to her wounds, and they talk in their underwear. Uh, they compare scars, and it's less funny than when Indiana Jones did it. Uh, but Matt digs into Electra's time after she disappears, finds out that she was mostly alone and that she was trying to get as far away from him as possible, and then... Yeah, it's great. He gives her the couch and he goes into his room where he kind of spies his on room? her. No, he's, he sits in a chair. He's so, still in the living he room. He doesn't area. make it to his room? Yeah, he was just sitting in a chair and he was just kind of watching her and he falls asleep. Yeah. Well, watching her by listening to every single noise that her body makes. Oh, right. Yeah. Except for digestion. <laughs> they don't really go there. But 
Anyway. Hope not. (laughs) It's morning. Electra looks into the exports and Matt is late for the trial. (sighs) And the trial is starting. Reyes gives her opening statement, which pretty pretty much rests on the idea that justice is served here in a court of law. This man is no hero. He's a serial killer. Matt is not there, so Foggy has to step up. He stumbles at first, but he steps up. His opening statement rests on the idea that this trial is about the failure of the justice system. And then Matt walks in, (laughs) in the middle of Foggy's statement. There's a lot of tension between Matt and Foggy. And Matt wants to make up for things. And Foggy, who did well but not well enough, is angry. So Matt goes back to his place where he and Karen work on their strategy with the medical examiner and talk about their future of the firm and their relationship. And they get in an argument about vigilantes and they talk about the big theme for this episode. I think vengeance is not justice. And then she leaves and Electra steps out of the shadows. She's been there the whole time and heard the whole conversation. And they find out that real estate has been bought and that that dirt is being shipped out. So what is it that they are digging Who knows? The next day, Matt is on time for the trial and actually gets to do what they plan for him to do. He's going to cross-examine the medical examiner who shuts down questioning before it could even start by saying he has done something. He falsified the findings. He's panicking because he was visited by a woman in a mask who threatened him, and that renders his testimony pretty much invalid. So they go to the bathroom. And Matt reveals to Foggy that Electra was involved with this whole thing with uh, the medical examiner. And Foggy is not happy to hear that. It is the last straw. And he, this is, the, the relationship is crumbling. Foggy and Matt leave. And they both leave, leaving Karen alone with no answers. Matt goes to confront Electra. But as they fight, she sort of wins the fight with him when she says, do you want to fight me or do you want to fight the people tearing your city apart? Because they're staking out a building that's being some sort of work is happening there and the dirt is being taken away. So they go in and they daredevil beats up some guards and they enter a building and find nothing there. Literally they find nothing. Instead, they find the absence of something. They find a great big giant hole. And that is our episode. So Samantha Stewart, thoughts so did 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 either of you guys watch uh tiny tunes yeah yes look at a good flash cycle down the hole (laughs) (laughs) i didn't think of that when i watched this but flash cycle down the hole uh flash cycle down the hole (laughs) so the thing that impressed me the most about this episode was foggy Rhetoric man to the rescue. Um, he steps up in a huge way. He steps up to Matt. He steps up in front of to the in the courtroom. He steps up to Reyes, maybe indirectly, but still in the courtroom. You know, um, he, he is probably my favorite person in this in this uh, series. He's the one I can relate to the most. Because he's just trying to do his job, you know, just he's a lawyer. He's trying to practice law and other things, including his best friend, keep pulling him away from that. Um, And so I really do. I really like Foggy and I really like 
the fact that Foggy's and Matt's relationship is kind of rocky. And then the confrontation in the bathroom, Foggy's just kind of done with it. He's like, I've, you know, I've got a trial to prep for. You can do your thing, but I got a trial to prep for. So, you know, I really I, do like yeah. that. And that I, oh, go ahead. It, it came across uh, my mind, but I, I couldn't get, uh, I, I couldn't say it because you guys kept talking. But I'm not going to blame you because that's what we do. Um, but I, I was going to say that while um, Matt may be cheating on Karen on a, on an emotional level with. Uh, Electra, um, on a business front, he's cheating on Foggy mm-hmm. with yeah. Electra. So I mean, yeah. and if, yeah, if you watch that scene in the bathroom where he reveals, it's it's like being told, oh, by the way, I've I've been meeting my ex girlfriend for lunch, and Foggy is very upset and very jealous that Matt was not upfront with him from the beginning. Well, well, there's a little bit more to it than that because where I was going to go is. We had talked about my college relationships uh, earlier, and there was a situation that was almost this situation. Now, obviously, it did not involve ninja and killing people and, (laughs) you know, defending uh, a serial killer. No, no. But what it did involve was basically a, a semester where I was more wrapped up in this girl than I was in my classes. And so, I mean, there's some flashbacks here as foggy is confronting him about Electra and what they had back in college. I had a friend who would confront me in almost the same way about how I was letting this girl really take too much of my time, energy and emotional space that's not to say she was a horrible, terrible person. It's just to say that I wasn't a great person when I was with her. And that's what foggy is saying here. He's, Mm -hmm. he's saying there is some betrayal here and there is that element of you're choosing her over us, over this. But at the same time, he's also saying you did this once before and you got out of it. Now he doesn't know all the details of it. Uh, clearly, but at the same time, he saw the the results of what was happening with Matt when he was with Electra in college, and now he's saying, "You you have to take care of this. You this is ridiculous, and you are stupid, and I don't like you because you are putting me in a really horrible situation where I didn't even want to take this case, but now I'm lead on it because you can't step up." And it's it's all sorts. That's the best thing about this is there's so many layers to their relationship and to the issues and problems they now have to deal with. So what do you think his Matt's motivation is with Electra with this whole situation? Okay. So Matt wants to keep, uh, Matt wants to keep Frank alive, but he ends up running off with Electra and he wants to keep, you know, wants to figure out what's going on with Electra to me. When I think about, Matt and Electra and Karen, I think about um, Mal's line from Serenity where he's talking about Inara and he says she he she makes his head spin. Um, I feel like that's what Electra does to Matt all the time. She does. He doesn't know which way is north because Electra comes in and makes his whole world upside down. Um, 
Oh, I was going to quote I know the entire I line up the for line. you. <laughs> Don't worry about it. If you've Bob seen it, you know. Mess me about. Yeah, no. okay. I've only seen that movie about 10,000 times. I know. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. Where's my Jane hat? <laughs> Samantha, I, I want to hear what you have to say about this, too. But my thinking is for what Matt is, his, what he's thinking, the problem is Electra is appealing to his dark side, but also appealing to the Daredevil side. Right. Because Electra is pulling him in to do the things that Daredevil does, but to do those things at her level. Whereas Foggy needs him to do the things that Matt Murdock does. Right. Well, I think Matt's problem is that he has way too many balls in the air and he's not delegating his problems properly. Because I'm wondering if he had been open with Matt and Karen about Electra from the beginning, if if it would have turned out this way. Hmm. Oh, it definitely would not have turned out this way. I think that 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 was mistake number one. Poor choice number one is not telling Foggy. Yeah, I don't. I I mean, I can understand him not wanting to tell Karen because he has a relationship with her, and not wanting to tell Foggy because Foggy was there the first time. Yeah, yeah. Foggy was hurt the first time himself. Yeah. And he's hurt this yeah. time now. I mean, it's yeah. history repeating itself. So um, did you guys want to go on to style? Because I've noticed that there are two very different styles in this one episode, and it's clearly defined. Yeah, sure. Okay, so the first half is like a uh, Asian cinema uh, film, uh, especially with the flying scene, the flying effect during the flights, uh, the fight scenes. Uh, where they're going up between the box cars and they're jumping off of boxes during the fight. Um, it looks like the, you could tell that they're on strings and it makes it look like they're flying, which I really actually do not like in this episode because it, it it feels like somebody else came in for the um, for the act to choreograph the action sequences and and did something completely different that they did from the rest of the season. Um, yeah, if only the, there was a Netflix series where they could actually seamlessly <laughs> put in that kind of a style, huh? And not right, interrupt. Right. There was this a Crouching Tiger Netflix series. Well, That's no, true, yeah. it was just one one episode. I mean, it was one a, movie. Was a movie. It was a sequel yeah. movie, and. Let's not, yeah, think, not let's not yeah. talk about Anyways. that. <laughs> and the second and the second half of this episode is a courtroom drama. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you have two completely different styles, but they blended them really well together in this one episode. I'd almost throw in a third one because the fight at the end is a different kind of fight too. Daredevil's fight against the goons who are outside the building is just this quick fast-paced, brutal beatdown. And that's the other thing I'm kind of noticing is Daredevil tends to be more violent and more uh, brutal when he is with Elektra. And and maybe maybe I'm, I'm projecting, but it just does seem to be that when he's with Elektra, he is fighting more out of anger than out of necessity. Like there's there's right. a there's something more to it, right? She, and his voice she brings all, out the worst in him. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. And 
his voice gets even more gravelly. <laughs> it, yeah. it does. I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's, you know, actual factual, but if, when he confronts her at the, on the rooftop and he, what'd you do to my life? Get out of my life. It, it was like, he, he pulled that voice so low that Christian Bale went, ah, that's a good, good job. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little Batman joke there yeah. for you. But, um, is it this episode or the next one where they have Frank get on the stand? That was it's the next one. Cause it yeah, didn't happen. Next one. Not this episode. Okay. Okay, because there is something there is something about his voice that I want to point out in that episode, and I think everybody knows it already. Yeah. Okay, so so Matt's motivation is that he's just kind of floating in the wind and doesn't know what he's actually doing. Right. Um, I I, I don't think that's necessarily the the full truth though, I, because he knows what he wants to do, but then he just keeps getting pulled away from it and he keeps letting Electra pull him away from his responsibilities that he needs to be doing in order to do his job and support his friends okay yeah what's that line from the scriptures uh something about uh no man can serve two masters or something like that that's pretty much it yeah like, yeah yeah <laughs> what so what's mo- what's Electra's motivation then uh, the money from Roxon mm. and that she thrives on chaos. That's my yeah. take. And that the chaos to Matt, I mean that, that combination to Matt is like, is like a drug. Maybe. Yeah. And he kind of just doesn't know what to do with himself when he's, when he's around her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there's something to that. Yeah. So when he proclaims, okay, so when he proclaims, you know, Karen is super important to me and, and I wouldn't know what to do without her hand to, to forehead, um, that all seems really hollow to me because then he walks out and does this thing with Electra. This is why I don't, I, I just wish the show was called Foggy sometime because... <laughs> Because this whole back and forth of do I want to be a lawyer or do I want to go out and fight crime with the red suit on it? I guess it's real and truthful, but I just want it to stop because, you know, I, I, I too have been through the, the, the struggles of a damaging relationship or maybe damaging is the wrong word. Um, a hard relationship to be in where, you know, you didn't go to class. You didn't do the things you're supposed to do. You stayed up all night, all those sorts of things, um, that we won't talk about kids cause they're bad. Uh, <laughs> and so I've had to deal with some of that and I've walked through some of that and I'm making choices every day that, you know, keep away from those things. Uh, Matt should do it too. Man up, do it. <laughs> be the person that you're, that you're supposed to be. Don't answer the phone when she calls those sorts of things, but that's growth, you know? And that's like yeah. I said, I, I mean, that whole college relationship that I had, you know, I'm sure she was making some bad choices too, but at the same time I needed to grow. 
and I needed to mature. And as I was maturing, I mean, that was a big reason why we ended up not together. I'm not married to her, you know, and I'm not pining over her uh, because we matured, we moved on. And the relationship that I ended up having with my wife ended up being a really positive relationship. And I was in a place where I was able to be a person who could give a positive relationship. And I think that's what's happening here is that Matt never grew past what happened with him and Electra. I mean, he did not kill the guy, but then she was just gone and it wasn't, there was no resolution with him and her. And so now she's coming back and he has to deal with all these things that he didn't deal with before. And he's not doing a great job of it. And it's frustrating and it's supposed to be so good, but bad that you're feeling this way, Stuart. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's kind of where I was going to get to. I mean, do we think that if, if, you know, there's a point a, a, a there's a beginning, middle and end. I think we're kind of in the middle of his journey right now um, of, of getting out of the mess of Electra. So you're saying that, well, in, in those kinds of relationships that are really destructive, you can, and they don't really end well, you can keep asking, why did this happen? Why, why, why? But you don't really learn anything from the why if you keep asking that. Instead, you got to change the question of, to what can I learn from this? Mm-hmm. Which and, I think and what why. now? Yeah. And what now? And I think he's still struggling with what can I learn from this past relationship with Electra? Hmm. Yeah. I, when he was late for the trial, oh. I remember watching this and thinking to myself, Oh my goodness. I can't believe that they did that because that was so unprofessional. And so it's not even a situation where he didn't get enough rest. I mean, he didn't because he was sitting there being creepy or whatever, but (laughs) it just so bad. So bad. It made it there, there. I was, I had flashbacks to being foggy. And and having, you know, being standing up at, at class presentations and going, well, I guess I'm doing this now. And being mad where I was not in class when I should have been or in the situation where I should have been. I was letting down my team and, and other people. Um, and I was – it made me uncomfortable. I was mad because – I don't like that. And I work really hard to not be that type of guy now. And he's our hero quotes around the, that word, but yes, Matt is our hero. He is the title character and he is being presented in a really poor light. Yes. (laughs) Now, mind you, it's him. I mean, it's the character who is presenting himself in that poor light. Uh, right. It's it's not like the the show is trying to say here's a good guy, but it doesn't matter because he's he's dumb, you know, or you know, because right. good because <laughs> good is dumb and evil is good or whatever. It's not like that where the show is is trying to portray him as something that he's not. the tr- The show is portraying him as here's a guy who is doing 
really dumb stuff. And you yeah. should and not be, be happy fair, with him. Here is a here's a guy who is good, a good guy doing some really dumb things. And yeah, you should be frustrated with him because we have held him to a higher power for a full season and then now seven episodes. We've held him to a higher standard. And now he's dropping the ball. Yeah, this is and episode 20 of him, angry yeah. on that. Yeah, she Oh, speaking of angry and and possibly cheating, uh, if you look at that scene where they're sitting in their underwear and talking at his place, it's a very intimate scene it without is. any without any kissy kissy. It is. Yeah. And it's 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 intended to be again, he's skirting the line here because technically speaking, nothing has happened, but it's one of those things where up until this point, he's been able to avoid the appearance of anything even happening. But right. here there is the appearance. I mean, if Karen walked in on that, it's or it, foggy. Yeah, it, it's well, yeah. Uh, yes, they weren't in the middle of anything, but at the same time, it they were, well. they were totally in the middle of this intimate moment together. One that, Either he needs to just avoid or he needs to embrace and say, okay, so this is what we're doing. But he's he's trying to walk that line and not cross the line into Electra land, but he's he's flirting with it and trying to, you know, it's like the guy who says, well, I'm not going to take a drink because I'm an alcoholic, but I'm going to go to the party and hold the beer in my hand. You know, right. it's it's not a good situation. No, no, he's not. He's not helping himself. You know, he, I. Again, I don't I'm not a psychologist. I, I don't even play one on TV. I would say that he's addicted to Electra. He can't control himself around her. And that's a that's a big deal, you know. Unless he re- unless he takes actions to prevent that, and you know, I, you don't give a drunk a drink, you don't let Matt around Electra. That's just <laughs> the way it is. <laughs> well, is he is he addicted to Electra, or is he addicted to the fight? Because I think she really brings him to the fight frequently. I think now that's a good. Qu- no, go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I, I was going to say I, I think it's a, a little bit of both. I mean, I think he's addicted to if we're going to go with that, that addiction idea, he's addicted to the feelings that he has when he's with Electra. He's addicted ah. to the high that comes from the fight. Like you're talking about, but also the high that comes from the attention that he gets from, uh, an attractive and intelligent and fun woman. I mean, she is all of this dangerous stuff aside when they're in the middle of all that, she's smiling, you know, and she mm-hmm. um, th- there's fun involved there. And, you know, people aren't. People don't become addicted to stuff that's painful, generally speaking, well, Gen- generally speaking, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you, there may be pain involved, but the reason you became addicted to it in the first place is because it affected the pleasure centers of your brain. 
mm-hmm. you know, and these these things then may end up hurting you. These things may end up causing you pain, um, but somehow or another, it caused you to feel pleasure, and and she did. Especially again, he hasn't had a chance to really work through uh, being cut off from her, and when they were young, and they would go for you know these fast cars, and they would. Um, do things that they're not supposed to do, and they would, you know, break and enter and all that kind of stuff. And and now it's the same kind of thing, only it's on a different level because they're both. She's basically a ninja, and he's a superhero. And so they're able to like really, really fight hard against bad, bad people. Right. So they're not just doing this for fun. They also have a a, a real purpose to um, these crimes basically yeah although her purpose is a lot more selfish and his purpose is a lot more noble but doesn't matter right it it brings him to the same place but she's bringing him to that line so what's in the hole yeah honestly i can't remember i was trying to remember (laughs) and i'm glad i can't remember because it's fun to you know discover this but i can't remember what's in that stupid hole i i neither can i (laughs) i I've already seen the the following episode recently, well, and I know a shush, and I, <laughs> uh, yeah, shush. <laughs> so Ben, yeah, what do you think the whole? I don't. I, <laughs> I remember seeing this episode for the first time and just being so confused, like, what in the world? And my mind this time, I'm not going to say anything more than this, but I I recently went and saw Power Rangers. And the the movie and don't mention it around Daniel, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm going to stop right there. But those of you who have seen it know exactly what I'm talking about when I say that could have been what's in that hole. I I did want to bring up some of the the thoughts about uh, Punisher here. Uh, Specifically, I love the montage at the beginning where they're looking for the uh, the jurors and they just kind of have the, the phrasing of one juror who is praising him. But then the sentence gets cut off and is finished by another juror or potential juror who does just can't stand him and hates him. And then it just bounces back and forth. But it's kind of this continuous line of thought. And it goes from animal to hero to grotesque insult to second the Second Amendment and a fascist without the authority to, you know, we need more like him and who's gonna, who else is going to take care of us. And I thought that was a really, really powerful opening scene. And then they're cutting also to him preparing himself in his jail cell to then go to the, the courtroom uh, for the actual trial. And I thought it was a really good opening. And as far as a lawyer show, you know, Samantha, you, you make a really good point about how it's two different styles, but they both... You say they meld together well, and that is one thing that you want to have make sure happens. But this is both a good lawyer show, and if you pulled out all of the superhero stuff, the lawyer stuff, the trial stuff, all the law stuff that's been going on is good. But then also, you know, you pull out all the trial stuff, and the superhero stuff is good and and worth watching. So, kudos to them for finding his dichotomy. Yes. So what is Punisher's superpower? Did did the bullet in his brain make him not able to feel pain? This isn't Darkman we're talking about here. 
<laughs> wow, that was a that was a deep cut there, Ben. And yet not so deep. I mean it's Sam Raimi. Yeah. And who's Liam who's Nelson? Spider Man. Uh, Liam Neeson. Neeson, not Nelson. <laughs> Liam Nelson. <laughs> Who all I can think of is <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um Yeah, I, I don't think he has any. I, I think he's just very determined and has natural human skills at the highest possible level as far as the, you know, weapons and, and fighting and, and that kind of thing. Um, he's, I, he's skilled at, um, in, with weapons. Yeah. But, and marksmanship. And I think that's some innate ability and trained ability, but not super ability, not right. superhuman. Right. That's my take on him. So, okay. All right. Well, I think that's a wrap on this. I think we need to do some listener feedback, though. So we are going to do that right now. Witness testimony. Okay, Samantha Stewart, we got one message to read, and that is from Agent Leaf Girl, who has written in before. Uh, But they let's see here. She is writing in uh, about daredevil season one and she has this to say <clears throat> hi ho agents actually i feel like i should read that like hi ho agents this is kermit the frog here uh hi ho agents i last emailed you in november after dr strange came out it is now march 2017 and i am still trying to catch up as quickly as possible i have finished season two of agents of shield and have now started season one of daredevil my husband has already watched through season one and two, but I was refraining until I could watch along with the podcast. Although I have heard bits and pieces of the show, for instance, I have already heard Fisk and his father and how that ends, which is such an easy segue into the episode I just watched. Uh, does Fisk need to learn when someone is dead? I knew immediately that the Russian brother was going to die, but did it really need to be so graphic? Okay. It could have been more graphic, I suppose, but the imagination tends to make things worse, which is what I think I am dealing with right now. Being the daughter of a doctor, not a lot really bothers me when it comes to violence on TV. You hear lots of stories, but this really got me. Although being pregnant, I think, has definitely made me have a lower tolerance than normal as well. I don't think I'm going to be able to watch Daredevil more than the one time, and I am not even sure how I'm going to get through it the first time. I will push through, though, as I don't want to get any further behind than I already am. I'm excited to see how you are dealing with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4 and Iron Fist at the same time. <laughs> we'll talk about that after I've been <laughs> reading, but uh, when I finally saw the trailer for Iron Fist, I definitely cheered a bit, as I know how much Daniel has been looking forward to it. To Ben about Black Widow and Age of Ultron. I grew up without really being aware of, quote, gender roles. I don't think I was ever told as a child that I was weaker as a girl or that I would have a harder time. I wanted to be Xena growing up and saw Princess Leia as tough, and I didn't think anything of her outfit in Return of the Jedi. While as an adult, I know these things exist, I still don't really see them in media. I have a really good suspicion of dis- a suspension of disbelief when watching things. And I don't even think of black widow being turned into a damsel or didn't even think about black widow being turned into a damsel until Ben brought it up. All superheroes matter. No matter how, yeah, sorry, 
All superheroes, no matter how awesome they are, have been duped or trapped at some point. It just happened to Black to be Black Widow's turn. I think no matter who was in that cage, someone would have had issues with how they got there. I have enjoyed watching Black Widow in the MCU just fine, and I don't dislike her, but she is not my favorite. This email has gone on long enough and is incredibly outdated. <laughs> I hope to catch up soon, <laughs> maybe during the summer when school is out. Signing off, Agent Leaf Girl. So... Since you're only on season one of Daredevil, you are not probably going to be hearing this for a little while, but we aren't doing Iron Fist right now, but we will be. We promise <laughs> that we will more than likely get to it. So the plan is for summer to be our catch up time with uh, Iron Fist and Luke Cage right after Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has its season finale. So season finale. I said season I want it to be season finale. I remember back in season one or two, I, I misspoke once and said series finale. And <laughs> I was called out on it, man. Trust me. I don't. Wow. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a big deal, but there, there was some reaction to it because they're like, oh, no, we don't want that. Heaven forbid. I know you were making just a mistake, but yeah. Yeah. And it just, I was, don't... it was good to show that people like the show, you know? Yes. But, yeah. I just don't think that we're going to hear anything about a possible renewal until about May. Yeah. I mean, I think it will definitely be when, when ABC makes all their other. Right. And they don't usually get to that until around May. Yeah. I think there's also waiting to see how the, um, how the last half of the season goes. Right. Or the last third. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The last pod. So, yeah, but thank you for listening. And sorry, I we we had this conversation. When you get to Jessica Jones, I'll be curious uh, what you think about that too, uh, Agent Leaf Girl. And I, I'm looking forward to hearing from you maybe to address that because for me, Jessica Jones was much harder to watch because of the uh, the intimacy of the violence than Daredevil with the the graphic graphicness of the of the violence. So. Well, I'm curious what you, what you have to say about that. But yeah, I'm, I have to agree with her. I don't like violence in movies and TV shows either. And I've already talked about that. Yeah, Gangs of New York. Ugh. As long as I don't have to see that movie or The Graduate in film school ever again, I'm fine. <laughs> well, there goes our summer plans. After Luke Cage oh, and Iron uh. Fist, the plan was to cover The Graduate and Gangs of New York. Oh, I'm out. I'm out. I quit. I quit. (laughs) I think it's time for us to uh, to wrap this up and and give some ratings here. Give our final words. So let's do it. Final verdict. Okay, Samantha Stewart, thoughts on what the uh, rating system should be for this episode? What do you think? Old scars. Old, old scars. Very good. Okay. Old scars that we trade back and forth like we're the old men in, in Jaws. <laughs> I love yeah. that scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Still, not as, you know, this scene was not as good as that. Not yeah. Not as good as that. But, Samantha, how many old scars would you give out of five <laughs> to Semper Fidelis? Four out of five. Four? That's nice Four. and solid. Nice and I, solid. Uh, I'm, Stuart. I'm going to go a solid four as well. Okay. 
And I'm going to round it out with another solid four. And, and part of that comes from, you know, you can't have half a scar. It's either yeah. a scar or it's not a scar. There's not like half of one. It's just there. You could have a half faded scar. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Because, I mean, once you cut a scar in half, it's two scars. Actually, it's yeah. three if you're cutting it in half. You just created a third one. Uh, but anyway, yeah, solid episode, really good episode and almost good enough for me to bump it up toward a, like a four and a half. But, but since we're doing scars, I can't, can't do it. So, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> that said, I think we need to take a moment and just remember our friend, Daniel. Yeah, <laughs> our friend Daniel, who, you know, he helped found the podcast and and there might be even some people out there now who have started listening to this podcast and don't even know who Daniel is because they haven't listened to any episodes with him in it. And if you have done that, you, you've missed out on some good stuff. And if you don't want to go and listen to all the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes that we've done, at least go back and listen to some of the movie stuff that we've done together. But yeah. Uh, he's oh, a, no. You want to go back and listen to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff, believe me. Oh, you, uh, you do. You do. But you do. if you don't have the time, you know, you, you want to hear, you, you should hear Daniel. Uh, yeah. He's a good guy. We like Daniel. And I'm, I'm not saying that he's gone or anything. I mean, he, we're still hearing from him. He's still sending in calls about Iron Fist and everything. You know, he's not always the most stable guy. You know, he, he says some things that. That I wouldn't necessarily think that a rational person might say. I mean, the truth is, I'm not a doctor, but I'm sure he's at least driven past Crazy Town. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcometolevel7, or by following us on Twitter, where we are level7pod. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh at our clean comedy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. I'm not going to say anything more than this, but I, I recently went and saw Power Rangers and the the movie and don't mention it around Daniel. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm going to stop right there. But those of you who have seen it know exactly what I'm talking about when I say that could have been what's in that hole. So, yeah, Evan was big on Power Rangers, isn't he? Yes. That's why I had to go and see see it it. because we're going to be recording a strangers and aliens episode about it very, very soon. So,
That's did they long. bring back the Green Ranger? I'm not going to say anything because <gasps> there's spoilers involved, whether they did or not. I'll say the color green was on the screen, but that doesn't mean it was a ranger. Oh, is it oh, good? Rita? You're not talking about Rita, are you? I just said the color green is on the screen. <sighs> That's all I'm saying. Is, is the movie good? <laughs> or Okay. And then we'll get off this rabbit trail. But honestly, yeah. it was a very, it felt like an MCU teen superhero movie. Oh, it really, really did. And I, I enjoyed the movie enough to not feel like I wasted my time and money. Like <laughs> I wouldn't have paid that much money to go and see it with, if I hadn't felt obligated to go and see it, but it's very MCU as far as just the way that they try and make it feel more realistic. And there's definitely moments where it's not realistic, but they did a pretty decent job of, of creating a power Rangers movie that fits into just the current slate of, of superhero movies. Um, specifically the, the Marvel ones. Nice. Yeah. While we're down this rabbit hole, may I uh, comment <laughs> on something from the original show? Sure. Well, not the original show. The first American series. Mm-hmm. Goldar. <laughs> I want to mention something about his costume. He was one of the bad guys. He was uh, a creature in a lar- in golden armor. And he had a golden sword. Remember, he's a bad guy. But if you... You could tell that his props were recycled. Because if you looked on his sword. At the crux of the sword. Where it meets the handle. There was a tiny little red heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right (laughs) daredevil and on that note (laughs) anything else um well there goes our summer plans after luke cage and iron fist the plan was to cover the graduate in gangs in new york oh i'm out i'm out i quit i quit (laughs) i will say i too never want to see the graduate again (laughs) <laughs> I didn't mind having to watch it the first time around because of what it is as a film in film history and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, for me, I it's th- the searchers. Mm. I cannot, I cannot watch that movie again. Really? I like that film. I cannot do it. Mm. Well, my problem with, with the graduate is, is that um, back in film school, I, every other class showed it and I had to write mm. a paper on it. And I am, I, I swear, if another, if uh, I'm planning on going back this fall, if I have to write another paper on The Graduate, I'm just going to pull out one of my old ones and darn those, you know, plagiarism rules. I'm going to have to, like, you know. Um, it's not you know, plagiarism if you're plagiarizing yourself. Yeah, no, it is. It is. I had a, com- uh, my sensei is also an English professor and I had a conversation with her about it. It is considered plagiarism if you're, if you're turning in the same paper for two classes. Hmm. Yeah, because you're you're plagiarizing yourself. Yeah. If finding Forrester taught us anything, you can just write, you know, keep writing it, and then you're the man, so it'll be okay. <laughs> but you know, as long as you cite yourself properly, it's, was, it's perfectly fine. Wasn't he saying you're the man, dog? Isn't that the, the yeah, official I wasn't, quote? I wasn't going to go there. Yeah. 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 I, 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 no, <laughs> no. Finding Forrester was after I stopped watching teaching movies, inspiring teaching movies. Yeah. I just, 
hit a point where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Mr. Holland's opus was. I actually, we, when I was, I was actually in a film production and we were at the same school, Grant high school that, that Mr. Holland's opus was filmed in. Oh, cool. I met the writer of Mr. Holland's opus. Remember how I said I have, I can name drop people that nobody would care about. There it is. Yeah. There he, it is. He gave me a t-shirt. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So you have, you have a Mr. Holland's opus t-shirt. No, it was a t-shirt for the literary agency that I worked for. He had a whole bunch of t-shirts made oh. with the, the, the agency's logo on it because, <laughs> because just because I, I don't know. Um, I have t-shirts too. So, so there's well, my, that, that was interesting. There's my really lame name drop. <laughs> yeah. so not, you didn't name him though. It's true. Cause I can't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> I have IMDB open. You want me to go see? <laughs> no, that's okay. I think it's time for us to, uh, to wrap this up and, and give some ratings here. Give our final words. So let's do it. 